Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Due to the advancement of technology, we now live in a more closely connected world that demands faster response at work. This has made us more efficient at the cost of more input over time. Since COVID and remote work, it has become harder to account for our input after office hours. But if this is to become the new normal, we must find a way to make our efforts count. Hello, I'm Lai Ming, and this is Roundtable. Today, with my colleagues Yu Huling and Brandon Yates, we look at a court ruling that set up a precedence and discuss what more needs to be done. So, um, the phenomenon we mentioned earlier, just a moment ago, um, of people taking pictures of the office desk or <laughs> office building in the middle of the night. Hashtag working. Hashtag hard worker. Oh no no no. Hashtag. <laughs> this is a very peaceful night,、uh. and I believe that beautiful moon out there suggests that I. <laughs> Been spending a very fruitful night. You can never say that.、So、I've been working、subtle. very subtle. Right. Also,、yeah. thank you, team. We、uh, managed to achieve this. Oh、that. yeah, 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 that too. <laughs> <laughs> so,、um, the underlying message, Brandon. Yes. Oh, th- that's the underlying message. Is that I've been working super hard after hours. Yes. Right. Right. Passive right. aggressive. Got to keep it very subtle. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, um, funny enough, with my experience, I know we'll get into the subject now, but my experience with you know after work hours and that sort of thing, I've never really. Seen that as an opportunity to get like extra credits or be credited for my after work hours, but at the same time, I think that I've always hoped that if I wasn't available after hours for a certain、uh, work reason, that I wouldn't be punished for that. I think so. It, I think that kind of affects people differently. So I think some people try and make themselves as available after work hours as possible because they they fear that. Some task might be assigned to them after work hours, and that they might be punished for that. For that, and I think that's a huge problem. Or maybe they're just trying to earn an edge in、yeah. as a, in a competitive environment. Yeah, I think it it probably varies from industry to industry. Yeah. Yeah. So、uh, I'm willing to dedicate. I'm willing to work hard, and、mm. I'm willing to pull the extra hours. I, mean, I will see that as an opportunity you're giving me instead of an extra task <laughs> that I have to fulfill. Yeah. Thank you, team. Thank you,、uh, company, <laughs> for giving that opportunity. Right. <laughs> But uh, uh, Brendan, as somebody who's not from China, I mean, because、mm-hmm. because here in China,、uh, thanks or due to the prevalence of、uh, instant messaging applications like WeChat and and previously Ding Ding, I mean, there is almost a culture of people over all working over time. You、mm. you. you You can find people、um, uh, in real time. You can you can reach them. You can、uh, communicate with them. You can、yeah. give demands and and orders as to re- with with regard to work. And、uh, people can respond respond on, on over the internet and and get things done and even report. So there, there's almost a culture here that where you you want to be on standby. If the company requires you to be to be so,、mm. um, especially in the business of media, I mean, there's always a breaking news. Absolutely, and you have to be on standby, maybe ready to be dispatched to the to the spot and that kind of thing. So,、um, I wonder whether this kind of thing is、uh, you you see this kind of change in, in the Western world as well. I mean, oh, for the, sure, because of COVID and because of remote working. Yeah, no, I think that sort of culture, particularly in the media industry in South Africa and China, and I think all across the ro- the world, especially if you're, for example, a breaking news reporter, like you said, or、right. involved in breaking news, I think. There's a general understanding that you pretty much need to be available 24/7 just in case something major happens. But just overall work-wise, from where I'm from in South Africa, there is definitely a culture of colleagues or you know senior 
authorities within a workspace messaging people over the weekend about certain tasks or reminding them about certain things. Mm -hmm. There's also a culture of people that like to um, finish some work over the weekend so that it's ready for the next week and it kind of reduces the amount of workload they need to do during the week. But there's never really been a culture of bosses in particular expecting employees to do work outside of work hours. Um, so I, I, there's there's not really any regulation or problems with people communicating about work over the weekend, for example. And there's never really an expectation to complete tasks over the weekend unless it's been previously um, assigned. So, you know, if, if it's been known about a week in advance or something like that. So, for example, you've come to an agreement that you will work over the weekend for so a certain reason. To solve reason. your own problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Or, 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 for example, you know, sometimes some companies need you to work over the weekend and then we'll say, they'll say, look, we need you to work on Saturday and Sunday and we'll give you Monday and Tuesday off, you know, that, that sort of scenario. Not necessarily as extra hours that aren't credited. Um, but there's not really a culture of bosses messaging um, you know, employees over the weekend to complete tasks outside of work hours, no. I think the key word here is extra working hours that's uncredited mm. or unrecognized. Or, or not agreed upon. Or unpaid. That too, yeah. In certain extent. So yeah. if, for example, it is agreed between the employee and the employer that you're going to finish this X amount of work and all of a sudden or after half a year you realize it's X plus Y amount of work that you can pos- can't possibly finish or accomplish in the designated working hours, then you have to kind of have to work overtime all the time. And that started to become a problem. And I, I think that's the situation people are talking about on social media. That mm-hmm. is one, because we're assigned to too much work that we can, can't possibly finish in actu- actual working hours. Yeah. And have to put in extra working hours. That's one situation. And the other is stand by or stand on call for 24-7, basically. I'd yeah. like to draw a comparison um, between... <clears throat> Our generation and perhaps our parents' generation, because uh, I think when you only mentioned keywords like agreed or acknowledged and mm. recognized and paid, um, these words stand represent a, a very good grasp of labor law. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the, or awareness with regard to how work is supposed to be arranged. Whereas in comparison, in my parents' generation, there's almost a, a, a sense of dedication or a sense of virtue when people are working overtime. And when, when my mom says, I'm working overtime to, to sort out the salaries of my company, that kind of thing, uh, we are almost proud. We're always, almost always proud of her being dedicated to her work and, uh, and doing it yeah. for the team. You know? Funny enough, I think in a, in, a, in a culture and in a country like China where the population is, I, I think this is something also that Chinese people don't actually recognize is how massive the population is compared to the rest of the world and how competitive jobs are um, compared to a lot of countries around the world. So I think there's just that instinct that wow, I've got this job, I need to do absolutely everything that I can 24-7 to make sure that I do the best job possible because you probably find there's like 50 people equally qualified and equally eager for a specific job. Whereas in South Africa, look, there is competitiveness, but also you you can't compare a population of like what almost 2 billion people to a population of uh, of around 70 million the co- the competition for for work spots is just not as 
um, intense as it is in a country like China, I suppose. That may be part of it. I mean, we are uh, looking at the issue from the survivor's perspective. Yeah. There's a little survivor bias in the sense mm-hmm. that uh, both our parents worked and both of them are quite dedicated to their work. But we, you just pointed me or enlightened me to look at the, the situation in a broader sense, and that is Really, in a small county like uh, my hometown, there are a lot of uh, public jobs and in public institutions. I mean, uh, most of them, most people of of the county will have to look for uh, employments or or flexible working hours, that kind of thing. So, yes, there there's little survivor bias here, and and yes, maybe the population could be a thing. Maybe the competitive job market is a thing. Which is why I don't think um, the huge generation divide that you just mentioned is the case to everybody in our generation or our parents' generation. Because I still remember once we talked about commute time, um, what is the ideal commute time, or where yeah. should you live? Should you live near a company or not? And there was and, this and, one and, argument saying yeah. that uh, the reason I choose to live really near the company is because if after working hours, my boss asked me, can you come to the office and do this? I would respond very fast and yeah. I could be the first one getting into the office. That <laughs> was a, why I that was a my plus. Yeah. I know. Well, no, well, for me, it's just commute time. I know, f- for example, there was a study done in Beijing globally has the, the longest amount of commute time compared to any other city on the planet. So for me, just picking somewhere that was nearby work, yes, I would o- also like to be available if, if, if my services were required. Um, but for me, it's just a logistical thing. I would rather live nearby work than spend three hours every day coming to and from work. Yeah, and so I think for even for our generation, I think the eagerness to prove that I would like to do what I am currently doing, I would like to work overtime if I'm absolutely needed, and all that still exists. And the only reason that people, some people are complaining about this so-called invisible working hours or working overtime in an unrecognized way is because some of the tasks that they are working overtime to accomplish is not something they they would support or they they uh, as employee recognize hmm. they would believe some of the tasks are not that essential to the company and they would believe that some of the overworking time is just because their colleagues are not leaving so they can't leave as a courtesy and these kind of over uh, working overtime <laughs> If the whole office is still there and working and I've completed my task, I'm like, You'll bye, guys. You'll be proudly leaving. <laughs> Bye-bye. Have a nice evening. <laughs> what really constitutes invisible working hours? I mean, what really constitutes uh, you know, uh, working extra working hours that uh, the nowadays young employees are willing to recognize? Well, to start with... Like KTV with your colleagues after yeah, work that's shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't be considered as... I mean, if your boss is saying, hey, we need to go and sing karaoke, are you going to say no? I mean, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, that's another Depends on the culture. Yeah. Yes, that's another interesting point. That is for young employees nowadays. They draw a really clear line between their private life and their working social right. environment thing. That but is, that's because we have the privilege of looking things yes, in this yes. way. I mean, if you were a salesman or a saleswoman, you have to associate with your customer or clients after work, then you have to do it. Yeah. I don't that's wrong though. I mean, if they're saying I am dedicated to work, I'm willing to work overtime, I would like to put all of my effort in the task that I recognize, that mm. I consent, that I feel that is valuable, then it is kind of my right to say no to singing karaoke with bosses, to sitting in the office only because others are not leaving, to 
uh, asking me asking me to stay online. It becomes like a competition online. when you see employees there until like two <laughs> o'clock in the morning, <laughs> just because someone else hasn't left. Somebody's splinking. <laughs> yeah. So, and also when it comes to vis- invisible working hours, what constitutes? Like, like I mean, you said it's a really good question. I think, for example, mm. if you are learning new things, maybe not for the immediate task that you're working on. Yet, for example, you're learning how to use artificial intelligence to better facilitate your work. It's not something that would appear to be efficient at the very minute you learn about it, but it's definitely going to help you get a edge in your working environment. It will help you become a better employee. Does that Learning hours constitute as overworking. Uh, no, right? not, not, not if it. But also, shouldn't that sort of thing happen during work hours? That depends. Yeah, it also depends on the company culture. When, uh, yeah. you're, exactly. when you are supposed to be productive at work, then you need to turn out something instead mm. of a research paper that only you can read. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a tricky but, thing. But learning, or let's say, trying to make yourself a better employee, benefit. Not only the company, but you yourself. Yeah, that's not overtime, especially right? especially also if it's something that you yourself have decided. Like you can't take on extra tasks individually and then say to your company, "Look, I've been, you know, putting in all of this overtime work because it, it's like self-inflicted almost." Yes, and also there are many workaholics out there. They love to work. They mm-hmm. want to be competitive. They would join others if it could, meaning that they would be super competitive and making others feel threatened and almost. My feel colleague obliged. is still here at three o'clock in the morning. I'm not <laughs> Leaving till you leave. You love that example too much. <laughs> and the thing is, with those kind of employees, don't get me wrong. I mean, they have all the right to do that, but it will definitely make the employer feel like they can ask more employees to be as mm. proactive as the one we mentioned. Depending on the also, country, yeah. And, um, but I also think what that's the a, label law is. Maybe, yeah. maybe maybe you don't have the right to do that. Yeah. But that's but that's the thing. I think if you do, this is something that I think employers also need to be aware of: is that don't take advantage of people. Just because they are super hardworking, so appreciate the fact that they are hardworking and competitive、mm. and doing the best that they can for their company, but don't take advantage of somebody's you know competitiveness and willing to be the best that they can be. I think that's also something that employers can also be aware of.、Mm-hmm. And there, there's been a precedent. I mean, there was a court ruling in Beijing in January 2023、uh, that concluded. Uh, that a substantial work done after work using WeChat is considered overtime work, which is the first case to legally recognize the issue of the invisible overtime,、mm. and、uh, also the issue is、um, sometimes it really depends on the company culture. It really depends on individuals and employers and employees. But again.、Um, We have to look at things, examine things through on the basis of of the labor law or the court rulings or precedents.、Uh, but if everything is okay,、uh, if if the court says, I mean, if the the employers and employees are doing things、uh, according to the labor law, still some instances require people to work overtime. And、uh, in that case, how do we how do we do individually as employees and as employers both? I mean, for employees,、uh, if we were to、uh, do overtime and want our work recognized, and what can we do? Like, for instance, apply or talk to the employer, saying, "I'm doing, hey, I'm doing this work, and、yeah. I might need a few hours after at night or on weekend." I mean, does this count? I mean, a certain level of communication really helps. Communication 100% helps, and I also think being able to identify the relevant parties to deal with that issue is also very important. So, I think that would be a conversation between the employer and the employee. And also, someone that's in HR. 
I think that and and also as an employee if you want to be recognized for the work that you do outside of working hours you also need to document that work Mm. and present it to you know HR or your employer and say look this is what I've been doing if I do continue to perform these overtime tasks can we maybe discuss some you know maybe reduced working days or increased remuneration you know it's it's a conversation and communication literally in in any workplace in with any issue communication is the number one starting point so Mm. if you do feel like you're being undervalued or or being overworked communicate those feelings yes and the reason that the case Laimi has just mentioned is unprecedented is because two key standards for the so-called invisible working over time is being listed the first one is uh, substantial provision of work being that you actually turn out there are results there are outputs of your working over time and also the second one is obvious occupation of time so say if if you are not in the office yet you've been communicating with your uh, let's say team or your clients for several hours on WeChat and you have that document that can now be submitted as certain proof of working overtime. So now when you send me notes for the show over the weekend I'm going to go to HR and say I'm being I'm that's overtime I want to be compensated. Yeah (laughs) Brendan has been working overtime for two minutes. (laughs) For literally 30 seconds yeah. Also, in some cases, uh, the working hours is, is easy to calculate. I mean, you, maybe you worked the shift for four hours, yeah. copy editing or anything. But or that's probably the easiest situation, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like some other s- situations are probably quite difficult to quantify or to put onto paper. But that that's definitely, if you're working extra hours, you know, in a shift-based job, that's that's easy to to show an employer, look, this is what I've been doing. That's mm-hmm. This is precisely what I'm trying to, to say. I mean, yeah. that is in, in businesses or companies where extra hours is hard to tell, I mean, what employers can do in this regard. I mean, Sometimes the employer would just, uh, uh, you know, unknowingly or just un- without de- de- declaration, yeah, yeah. Mm. raise the salary somewhat to to represent the kind of input that the employees have done. But in light of the discussion and also the controversies that may arise from overtime and invisible overtime, I mean, what do you think employers can do? Perhaps. Uh, outlining clearly that this amount of salary is for your overtime should should there be a process like that i mean maybe in a small company the the employer wouldn't be so meticulous about it i think i mean i think salary is definitely one way to deal with that issue from the employer side of things but i think it also is equally difficult for them to figure out who's been doing what if it's not a shift-based position in terms of you know extra workload etc something else that can be done is maybe um, providing an employee with more leave days Um, so for example if they've been working overtime on the weekends maybe you can give them you know more leave days or give them the occasional Monday off or work a half day on a certain day you know so there are ways to get those hours back in terms of um, free time um, but that can also be represented in a salary increase so i guess that can also be another conversation held between hr and a and an employee again everything uh, falls down to communication 100%. whether you talk about it thoroughly or not and we started this discussion by saying perhaps technology played a part in this mm-hmm. thanks to or due to technologies like wechat and, and ding ding and, and maybe whatsapp and w- this has been uh, all the worst but really technology is technology to blame here or 
really technology somewhat also makes it easier for us to chronicle what we've done over time. I was about to say there's pros and cons. So I think it definitely has made it easier for um, employers to reach employees that aren't necessarily available at a certain time. Um, you know, probably in our parents' day, once they left the office, that was it because you couldn't communicate with them until they returned <laughs> right. to the office. Um, but then again, now with all of this technology, um, it's made remote work easier. It's made it also easier for employees to kind of dictate when they complete their work. So if they're more you know, efficient in the evening for some reason, they can do their work online, etc. So there's definitely pros and cons to um, the development of um, online tech and um, you know, just uh, cellular communication as well. And also it's nice to see that the law enforcement is keeping up with the development of time with, te- uh, with technology. And you never know, maybe in the future, they would give you a personal computer that you can only use in the office, and once you're offline, you're offline. Well, that's uh, a future that I'd like to see. <laughs> you're listening to Roundtable. Up next, Motivational Monday. Motivational Monday. Mondays. Welcome back to Roundtable and the, the Motivational Monday segment is uh, something that we look forward to every week. Uh, Brendan, what do you bring to us this week? Well, actually, before Brendan starts his Motivational Monday, Ooh. I'd like to jump in and talk about mine because <laughs> the one I'm talking about Jumping has something, the queue, to, huh? yes, has something <laughs> to do with a Chinese idiom I'd like to introduce first. So okay. I might take up a little more time. So the Chinese idiom is hua bing chongji. Okay. It literally translates to drawing a cake to satisfy hunger. Uh, actually, it originates. That does sound nice. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> it originates from the Han Feizi, a work attributed to the Warring State Period philosopher, and like, like more than two thousand years ago. Exactly, two thousand and five hundred. I think so. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, and the idiom describes an unrealistic or impractical method maybe a one that Brendan really likes, of satisfying a need or a desire akin to daydreaming or wishful thinking. Mm. And the story basically is saying someone who's, who was very hungry and had nothing to eat, so he drew a picture of a cake on the wall to console himself. So that's, that's the story. terrible. That's that sad. was that makes me terrible. Very sad, yeah. Yes, and then people were saying if you are uh, drawing a cake on the wall to fulfill your need or to fulfill your hunger, to satisfy your hunger, mm. then you're doing something in vain. It will not help you. Yeah. It's and- it depends though, because I think it can also be <laughs> no, because it can be aspirational. So say for example, you're in a situation where you can't find cake, but you draw this cake on your wall every single day. Maybe it might inspire you to find ways on how to bake your own cake or go out and find oh, cake. I like the way well. you think because that has something to do with my quote today. The quote here is, The true meaning of drawing a cake to satisfy hunger is only effective among those who work together and th- thrive for the same goal. Mm-hmm. For they know it is an imaginary cake, but are willing to continue believing, thus eventually the cake may become real. It's like saying, you know, you can't win the lottery unless you buy a ticket you know so that's the thing aspirations need to be partnered with action yeah I really like the quote because it puts a unique twist on the idiom suggesting that when people share a common goal and are willing to believe in a shared vision even if it seems unattainable at first their collective faith and effort can eventually turn the vision into reality and even if it requires a lot of invisible working <laughs> over time it requires a lot of effort and it requires 
requires also a lot of faith and believing、mm-hmm. in the common goal.、Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you have to believe before you actually realize it. Yeah, which is why in modern contests, this phrase is often used to describe the practice of employers well, <laughs> selling a big idea to their employees so that they can work together towards the same goal. Well, it's always impossible until it's done. One hundred percent. Yeah, on my side,、um, there's a quote that states, "Everything you've ever wanted is sitting on the other side of fear." And I've always thought there's there's so many successful people in the world that I don't necessarily think were the most talented in their craft, but actually just managed to overcome fear and pursue something that they really wanted to pursue. Um, so, for example, if I think of some of the most famous actors or most successful singers in the world, I don't necessarily think that they are the best singer in the world naturally or the best actor in the world naturally. I just think、But、that they, they have no fear. Yeah, they put their fear to the side and you know packed their bags and moved to Hollywood, for example, and just pursued this dream blindly.、Um, and sometimes that lack of fear or that perseverance and that courage. Can can lead you to you know beyond your wildest dreams. I can totally、uh, identify with your quote today, and that is, I so far in my life I have motivated myself with this example with regard to my fellow classmate in postgraduate studies. He's the guy who stood up and addressed the、um, ambassador of Ireland to China as Your Majesty, and <laughs> he had no fear. But、uh, I think the the ambassador he meant well. He meant well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ambassador responded quite、uh, magn- magnanimously,、yeah. saying,、uh, "Oh, I feel promoted." <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good example. You do, you do not fear mistake. Perhaps、mm. uh, you, all you need to do is to make the effort, and perhaps you get the job done.、Uh, nonetheless.、Mm. And the important thing here, I think, is not to not have fear, but to have something bigger to fear for. Right. Or just being able to, you know, you can't. To being able to master that fear,、mm. so I think a lot of these people do have that fear, but they're able to control it and not let it dominate their actions, and I think that's very important.、Mm. Right, my、uh, motivational Monday this week, I think, applies to our work very aptly, and it goes like this: to achieve great things, two things are needed: a plan. And not quite enough time. <laughs> <laughs> This is from American conductor, composer, pianist, and music educator Leonard Bernstein.、Um, well,、uh, I first of all identify with the first part. I mean, a plan certainly is important.、Mm. Without a plan, you don't know where to go. But the second part particularly applies to our line of work. I mean, sometimes we work hard prepping for a show, and then we do the rundown, read all the stories, and have a question list ready to go. And then、uh, in actual execution, the result may not be as perfect <laughs> as we expect it to be. I mean,、yeah. sometimes the the flow doesn't go as we planned. Sometimes. Um, um, Is、uh, the logic might be a little twisted, and、uh, maybe the language isn't as good as we want to be, and、uh, we often go off the show regretting what、mm. we've done all over the shows, and sometimes <laughs> or missing something, you know, right,、uh, really. wanting to say something that you didn't have the time to.、Mm-hmm. But also, just another、um, idea linked to time. I don't know if you, either of you have ever found this. But when I'm limited in terms of time, do you do you find that you become more productive? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the time、thing. pressure is is there. It gets you really focused on the、mm. job that you currently currently doing. Whereas if you have all the time in the world to prepare, you turn to number one, over prepare, and then number two, you you lose that kind of intensity、focus. or that、uh, focus. As a result, you you overlook things. Yeah, and I think with regards to time, I've also found that. 
the the management of time is also very important. I've always found that I'm more productive when I have a daily task as opposed to having one major task that's due in two months, for example. That、mm-hmm. is why I think for those who have a major task that ne- they need to fulfill, they、yep. might want to set some mini goals and try to have a timetable of how much percentage of the task should be finished、mm-hmm. at what date. It will help them have the limited time and also a really good plan. I'm very bad at that. <laughs> I'm better <laughs> also, with the daily tasks. <laughs> Yes. Also, never wait until you are confident that you are ready to do something, because、mm. you might just end up wasting time and not getting the result you wanted to.、Truth. As compared to when you have less time to prepare. <laughs> There you go. I, I think it's a twisted logic, but I think you will be able to understand. That's all the time we have for、um, our discussion on Roundtable today. If you haven't heard enough, you can find us at Roundtable China on any podcast platform that you prefer. And that's it. Thank you for listening, and bye bye.